0: Hi, I'm Greg Potter, and this is 20-Minute Collaborations. Hey, welcome back to 20-Minute Collaborations. I have taken a week off. Thank you for everyone who is being patient, who has been, actually, some of you have actually been reaching out, like, where's the next episode? So, I appreciate that. I needed to take a moment off because I was finishing up our first trip of the LGBTQ interchange here in South Africa, which I'm about to fly back to the States tonight while I record this. It was a fantastic trip. I had a great test group of three friends, and brilliant human beings who really added a lot so that our trip in October is ready to go. If you want to go to South Africa and you want to work on your professional and personal development, I highly recommend you go to the website. Uh, We will have it in the bio of the show uh, at Project Connect. Search for the LGBTQ plus interchange and we uh, have a few spots left for the October trip. There is a a 14 day and a 10 day that you can sign up for. So with the wait, you get to hear the talented and amazing Mary Beth Collins on the show today. I invited her on because her collaboration skills and her collaboration experience for the years really, really sets a great example of how we do it properly, inclusively, and patiently. In the story today, she talks about the uh, experience of a 25 year collaboration. I can't give much more than that away because you need to just listen. But she looks into different things of when the collaborators don't have the same goals because we've all been there. And how do we take responsibility for our actions during the collaboration? and so many, many more things. It is such a fantastic conversation. Here's a little bit more about Mary Beth Collins before we get into the interview. She has a ton of experience as a mom, an executive director, an attorney, a teacher, a writer, a volunteer. She loves family and friends more than anything, and that can be seen through everything she does, professionally and personally. She really loves the third sector, and finding ways that the third sector can create more community space, can create more love for the community, can uh, have mission-based enterprises and community efforts for in civil society and all of it, how much change and impact can happen through that part of our society. So now let's just get into it because it's time for Mary Beth Collins. It is such a wonderful day when I get to hang out in any capacity with the fantastic and talented Marybeth Collins. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, back at you, Greg. Thank you so much for the invitation.
0: Oh my gosh. I, you know, and you know, you and I have talked about this ages ago when I was going to start this podcast and it's finally happening and I finally have you on it. So welcome. Uh, As I warned you, the first question I'm going to ask you is, can you tell, me and the listeners, a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to try to give you the cliff notes download of kind of who I am. Uh, I got this great wisdom last year around the fall of 2020. Um, So I guess it's more than a year ago now from um, an indigenous leader in Wisconsin to always think in terms of where are you from? Why are you here? And where are you going? So that's always how I try to think of like my bio when I download it, but um, I'm originally from La Crosse, Wisconsin. I um, am part of a large family on both sides of my family that has been in that region for as many generations as we can basically look back to being like European immigrants and settler colonialists, I guess, is probably how we should think about it in that region. I was very eager to get out in the world. So as a young adult, I traveled around and explored different places, but pretty early on became a young parent and um, then pursued my education and my law degree and degree in Latin American studies, ultimately from the University of Wisconsin. I have been based in Wisconsin then for the latter 20 years or so of my life. Um, raising my kids as a single mom, um, as well as working in different capacities that involve my expertise as a teacher, attorney, executive director type leader in nonprofit and other settings, a volunteer, collaborator, etc. And I'm very proud to say I have, through those experiences, crafted amazing network of people, both personally and professionally, which really sustains me and brings me joy and also have a career that I was just thinking this morning before this podcast really is kind of like a combo of things that's my dream job. Um, So it's, it's so exciting to be able to say that. If you would have asked me this question 10 years ago, that would not have been where I was. And then just more personally, I just love soaking in great third places like bars, restaurants, venues, Um, That's a passion of mine, and I'm really into thinking about the third sector, meaning those voluntary and mission-based things that people do to make the world better, and those two kind of anchoring concepts um, tend to drive my work and my travel and my, you know, joyful experiences out there in the world, and now that the pandemic is at least moving towards more endemic stage, I find myself back in that flow a lot more than I was over the last two years, which feels really good. So that's where I'm at. And where I'm going is I wanna expand on all those special things that I've decided are gonna be the anchor components of my career and my lifestyle and just kind of keep going and hopefully offer something meaningful to others um, with that work now that I have the privilege of knowing um, where I want to focus my work instead of being in like the earlier part of my life and my career where I was sort of having to just be responsive to the need to like earn and get a job that worked for all of those considerations and so that's where I would like to go next and I think some of the things I've learned about collaboration will serve me well in that so of
0: course oh my gosh, I just got so lost in just listening to you I was like oh she's so badass and then I was like Oh my gosh, we could just talk about curating our lives and how that is into the curing intentional collaborations, but that's a whole different podcast because I haven't even asked you what your story is yet. But first, listeners, before I ask her about her story, I have to, I'm going to do a little bit of like shout out for Mary Beth because she'd never share this. And this is a story that she needs to stay, share on the moth or something else. But in her pursuit of her law degree, she brought her two young children to Argentina while she was in law school to live. And that's how badass she is. So I just want to take a moment to just acknowledge that before we move on.
1: Or young and naive and, uh, <laughs> you know, willing to take some risks and try some stuff that, um, you know, you'll hear about when I tell my story. You know, there are ups and downs to having that kind of a bold approach to things, no regrets, loved every minute of it. Um, but also, it, you know, I think a lot now about like the privilege of being able to take risks like that, right? Like, right. And um, not everybody can sort of have that angle on things. And I was lucky to be able to.
0: Completely. Well, as you know, I always invite a guest on, and they share a story where they worked with other people to accomplish a common goal. It does not have to be an intentional or unintentional collaboration. I do not curate the story, but I invite so we can learn lessons to better collaborate with people in the future. So Mary Beth, will you tell me your story?
1: Yes. Um, And I will just say to the listeners and to you, Greg, that this is kind of coming out ad hoc because... There are so many stories that I could tell about collaborating as a professional, building coalitions, developing courses and programs, and meeting goals with clients and starting new projects that I could get into. But I've decided, I guess, because um, you specifically requested kind of an unintentional collaboration um, to look at something a lot more personal. And I've never really tried to distill this big picture story down briefly. So I'm going to do my best. Um, but that's, that's my caveat about how it comes out. So, um, the collaboration that I would like to talk about is the notion of having two kids at age, my own age, 20 and almost 23. Um, and that not necessarily being my life plan before it all came together and happened, but then, um, the collaboration that ensued from the moment of at least realizing even in my youth and my ignorance that this was going to be a big project and I had certain goals for the project. Um, what, What ensued was essentially like an enormous collaboration with like a whole bunch of different people, especially though my own children. And this feels like a timely story to tell because I'm preparing right now for a big weekend in May whereby my younger child, My daughter, who's 21 years old, will be graduating from the University of Minnesota um, with a degree in basically environmental biology. And she herself has had her own adventures of starting in Seattle, going to Brazil to study abroad, transferring to Minnesota and is rocking it. Um, And then my son, the same weekend, is getting his master's degree in water resource science from the University of Minnesota Duluth after doing um, undergrad in St. Louis, being a college athlete, having his own experiences throughout that, and then getting on this research team in Minnesota to like really learn how to look at issues like microplastics in the water. So I would say, you know, the question of whether you reach your goals sometimes can be a limbo in a lot of collaboration, but seeing my children reach this point is like the hugest indication that I could probably think of just up till now. I'm sure I'm sure they'll surprise me with more, but um, up till now that they, we have been successful in at least some of the goals that I had for these children. Um, And it's important to say, you know, my goals for these children might not have been necessarily the same as their goals um, at various points in our collaboration or the same goals as other people that were involved in their lives. And I actually think that's a really important part of collaboration. When I teach collaboration, um, and we talk about it with graduate students at my job at the University of Wisconsin, we often talk about, it's helpful to be transparent with others and to be kind of clear-minded in your own eyes of why you're going into a collaboration and what you want to get out of the collaboration, even if the collaborators don't want exactly the same things or are not motivated by the same (laughs) things, but you can find points of intersection between those things. And so I would say that because I was raised by parents who Um, very much valued higher education, and themselves were first-generation college graduates that had to rely heavily on the GI Bill and other supports to make that happen, and felt that that catapulted their life and their children's lives forward. This idea of my kids getting to the point where they would get higher education um, was something that was very personally important to me, but I mean, arguably, there might have been other people in their lives who didn't see that as exactly the same thing. And certainly there were moments, I don't think my kids ever really disagreed with that. But I mean, there were moments where like my son was in middle school, where he was probably like more interested in just blowing something off than working on a project where I could see that goal and that intention really clearly and get really frustrated with him about not seeing the connection between middle school and college, <laughs> um, <laughs> where I had to really work with him and his orientation to the issue. And it wasn't always pretty, you know. So the story goes that, you know, as I was a young person, having these little babies, um, I mean, I had to go through a lot of lead up steps to get to this goal of them kind of having the opportunity to go to college, um, I had to get my own college degree first, I then had to get Um, Situated as a single parent once I got divorced from their father um, when we were very, very young um, and figure out how to like make money and have resources for them to even have the basics of um, what was needed to raise kids in American society, even in a loving community like Madison, Wisconsin, um, so that they could even have a shot at, you know, getting good grades in high school, getting good experiences in their extracurriculars, meeting interesting people so that they felt inspired, um, so there were all these preliminary steps that didn't even have to do with like parenting or talking to my kids that had to happen just to get our life situated, and I think getting your house in order or trying to get the resources together that you need to be a collaborator, that's a very like applicable thing <laughs> um, in a lot of collaborations, and So, you know, this was like a 25 year project and I would say the lion's share of the lift had to do with some of those things. Um, That said, I also think a really big thing that I brought into it that I just had a good instinct about was that as many smart people and interesting influences and great experiences that I could like infuse into that life, even if we couldn't afford it. Even if it seemed adventurous or like an extra or an exhausting additional thing to add in. I always did that. So we would spend time with interesting people that we met. Um, We're very lucky to have a big family that includes now spouses and others from different countries and cultures. We always prioritize time like that to like fortify our understanding of the world. Um, whenever my kids showed an interest in an activity that I thought was enriching, I would throw resources at it and try to get them involved in it. So there was a collaborative element too because their um, interests I tried to really like follow, you know, as much as possible. Um, I, I would say I was a terrible collaborator at times though with them being resistant. <laughs> to it. You know, if I think about my kids as collaborators, um, I wasn't always good at um, listening to them and what they were really interested in or what they were really like resistant to. And this is where the notion of like positionality and power dynamics in collaborations also comes up because I would often cop the mentality of like, I'm the benevolent leader of this enterprise (laughs) and you guys don't get to say that you suddenly have decided you wanna quit this activity that I signed you up for. So I don't think I was very elegant or skilled in those friction moments. Um, and I do think sometimes it's appropriate to cop hierarchy in collaborations, depending on what the agreements are with the parties. Um, but I learned the hard way that pre, you know, preparation for friction in a collaboration is important. So a big thing I think about now is like, if I would have read, my kids more carefully along the way with things they were struggling with or needed from me or were resistant to and sat quietly and thought about like, how am I going to be strategic about my communication with them about this? How am I going to hear from them and hold on to my standards and still sort something out? Um, You know, I think I would have been more successful with it being more pleasant for all of us and maybe even got it getting better results. Um, But a lot of times I was in stressed out maxed out mode where the only thing I could really muster was to just have the fight with them the day before the thing that we were like (laughs) and and that's another lesson that I would say about collaborations is if that happens you know you still get to wake up the next day and sort it I mean even now I will have moments with my kids in their 20s now adults full-blown adults where we're planning a weekend or we're getting together or we're sorting out graduation weekend and I will be not my best in anticipating the stress that we're under, but at least I will get up the next day and text or call and say, you know, I think I didn't understand how much you're processing some of these things that are going on right now. And I'm really sorry if the way that I spoke to you yesterday was insensitive to that. And you know what? Now we bounce back from those things pretty darn well.
0: Yes.
1: Um, So
0: I'm gonna gonna stop you because there's so much gold in this. And I really yeah. wanna pinpoint it to two things that have come up. Um, first of all, you're, you're amazing and congratulations that both of these brilliant young adults are on their own and because of sacrifices and bad choices and good choices and, and awkward choices. Amen. And, yeah, everything in there. The first thing I wanna bring, cause now, cause it is 20 minute collaboration. So that means that our time goes sh- quick um, and of course, I'm always with people that I want to keep talking to. Um, first is, how would you, using what you learned in this collaboration, this unintentional collaboration with your kids, how do you celebrate unintended outcomes in intentional collaborations? Because as you said, each, each actor has their own set of outcomes that they want in the collaboration and their own value system, but we still have to celebrate the unintended outcomes.
1: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Um, so I have two responses to that. So number one is, I think when you genuinely commit to engage with others on a project, and in this, I would include not only me with my kids, but, you know, other families we had relationships with in Madison, or um, family members around the world that we would make time to spend time with who When you intentionally engage with people you're gonna get a whole host of additional lessons and inspirations that you didn't even know was a part of your project and so for this i would say be porous and um you know be open to the fact that you can be like a lint ball and pick up new collaborators and inspirations the whole time you're working on a big project or collaboration and even if it's just for like a a cameo you know that you've you spent time with someone one time I remember one time we were traveling in France and we spent one weekend or one night even in this family home of a of my brother-in-law's cousin and I just observed the way this family rolled and I was like really inspired and that stays with me to this day because they had this like very open door policy to all their families and friends and family and friends. And in anyway, that's just one small example, but I've picked up so many things along the way that are unintended, like un, unexpected inspirations from being porous and open to learning from all the people you can pick up along the way. The other thing that I would say is that, um, you know, I am guilty, very guilty of being a very proactive person about my goals and having a certain rigidity to the way that i look at what i want to get accomplished in project <laughs> and it comes up to this day with all of my teams i'm giggling listeners
0: kids. Listeners, i'm giggling because anyone who knows mary beth she has this amazing notepad, notebook that she keeps with her and it's organized mary beth has it organized but if you're an outsider just looking at it you'd be like whoa
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, I mean, and that's probably why I'm rigid is because I'm trying to get so much stuff done that it, and that's a deficit thing that I, or that's an opportunity area that I need to work on with myself. But I would say one thing I've learned about collaborations is that you can collaborate with people that have different looking goals than you, different sounding goals with you. You can even be in opposition with people about how something should go, but as long as there's still an intersection point between what you're doing, I think often it can be worthwhile to continue to working together and maybe just have a circumspect view of the exact things you're going to work on. And what I think is a really cool thing that can come of that is that as time goes on and the collaboration evolves, you may arrive at a point where your initial thought of where you were going or what you wanted and their initial thought of where they were going and what they wanted, they might not have really been talking to each other or been the same thing, but by the end of it, you're both satisfied and happy with what you get out of the situation. And I'm working on some coalitions right now where this is a difficulty for me. Like I doubt sometimes with folks that I'm working with of like whether we have the same vision and it gets me concerned that we're not gonna be successful, but we keep in collaboration around the things that we can both exchange value on and offer something towards. And I believe what's gonna end up happening and I've seen this happen And I would say this is true with me and my kids, is that at the end of the day, when that result comes in, whatever those iterative results might be, you could actually have both contributed those different visions along the way and still ended up with something that you're equally satisfied with. So I am entirely satisfied with where my kids are going to be on May in May of 2022 with their degrees. I believe they are too, even though along the way there were debates about like, (laughs) how much money can we afford for going to which college? And is this the right choice? And what if you have to change this? And I'm not feeling that great about this, but if it's important to you, I will acquiesce and we'll figure it out later. And you know what? Through all of that, we have gotten to the point where what I had to offer, they took. They put their own vision into it, which wasn't the same as mine at times, but hey, the end result for this moment of this part of our lives together, everybody is super joyous and happy with where we got to. So I think that analogy holds a lot, across a lot of things.
0: It does completely. I have one, we are technically out of time, but I'm going to ask one more question and we're just going to let this run off a little more than 20 minutes. Um, okay. Okay because the story is so good and we've not talked about it with another guest and I am realizing I don't talk about it enough in the book. So this is a huge aha moment for a lot of us listening. Your story is so good because it is, you said, and it took 25 years, but there are so many, mini collaborations in the 25 years. My question and is not for another 20 minutes for the answer because (laughs) this could be is what are some of your best practices to managing those little collaborations in the big one and making sure that they don't get out of hand and they don't turn into the big collaboration?
1: Yeah, so I think this is going to sound really calculating, but hear me out because it, it it still can be true in the like love relationships that I had on this journey with my kids and our community and our circles of support and all this stuff, but it applies in work and in personal life. I think embracing in your mind and your heart what somebody really brings to the table of a collaboration and accepting what you genuinely think they really bring in their authenticity. And then knowing how to engage with that and not trying to construct an expectation out of those people is a really smart thing to do. I don't think I've succeeded in this across the board, but I think about people in my kids' lives who I had to work with or I wanted to work with in our community or their extracurriculars or our family relationships. And I think about this in work. And I think it's okay to be calculating about saying like, what does Greg bring to my life? And what can I learn from him? And where might we have a collaboration? But not seeing Greg as like an empty vessel where I'm like, oh, because of his title or because of his stature or because of his profession, this is what I think I should get from him. So I think getting to know people authentically and then not compromising your own goals and intentions with what you're trying to accomplish. So in this case, me, Mary Beth, um, but being realistic about what other people, as you get to know them, can authentically bring. It allows you to have a much more honest conversation with yourself about what to expect or ask of those folks and what you're going to get from them and what, of course, you can offer to them reciprocally, but you you should know your own self and what you have to offer pretty well. That, I guess, would be the second part is being clear that every independent person out there is a unique, a unique star with have assets and, you know, issues that they bring. And so getting authentic about that, um, and crafting your ask or your exchange or your engagement out of that um, is the way to go. And I think that can even apply to personal relationships and staying happy with your friends. Like don't get mad if that person doesn't have the bandwidth to hang out every single time. If their vibe is an introvert, but they are good at advice on relationships or career, great. You've just learned a lot about how to collaborate with that person. And they right. might need you to be the person that pulls them out of their shell once every six months. So just that's a simple tip I would offer if that made sense.
0: I loved it. And I loved your example. That was brilliant. Um Any, of course, time is just, it's gone now. Um Any last thoughts before I say goodbye to you or our listeners? No, I'm just to?
1: excited. I think just that I'm fired up to stay connected with this effort because I think this is the kind of learning and I say this to my students at the university all the time that needs to occur for a lifetime. And I myself am certainly a learner in it. And um, my kids would be the first to tell you I've still got a long way to go. So I hope to stay connected to the wisdom of your other guests and you, Greg, as we all learn to be better collaborators for the long haul.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And thank you for coming on. Uh, You and I will chat soon.
1: Thank you, Greg.
0: Hey, so how are you feeling after that conversation? It's wild when we think of really long collaborations because we don't often think of really long collaborations or collaborations that take a long time. We segment them out and we compartmentalize them out, and sometimes we don't get an objective so we can see the really big collaboration. So this story about Mary Beth's children and her raising them and all the journey to get them to these two graduations in May is really phenomenal. I really am thankful that we took an extra minute to talk about the best practices of how do you manage those smaller collaborations inside the big collaboration, because really, Any objective or big goal is going to have many steps to get there. And each one of those steps ultimately are going to be a mini collaboration. So that was just brilliant. And all the other things that she really got into, I really enjoyed the piece about embracing and accepting everyone's authenticity and their love and their compassion for what they're doing, even if your goals don't match. And if there is some intersection between the two actors, the two collaborators, there's going to then be something that changes in some common ground and there's a reason to collaborate. That was just beautiful as Mary Beth Ennis mentioned that towards the end. I really like the, the stuff that she was saying about there's still ways, to, there's still ways and time to sort stuff out. She was talking about it in relationship to her children. When, even if she was in a mood or in a space where she couldn't see where the her children were coming through, there's still time the next day to say, "Hey, I didn't realize that you were thinking about this." We let ourselves get pressured so much into these spaces that we think that there's no time, and then ultimately, time is pressured as opposed to abundant, and then we don't go back and take responsibility for our actions because there's no time for that. And that's one of the things that sometimes get cut first is taking responsibility for our actions and showing up authentic because we need to get the work done. Good collaborations those values do not make. It's been such a wonderful time here in South Africa. So many great things between the LGBTQ interchange. Me growing as a human with a new partner in my life and so many other broadened and more developed relationships while I'm here. I hope as you finish up this episode that you're thinking about those relationships that may have surprised you or have become deeper over the last couple months or the ones that came out of nowhere and you're like, wow, we have a lot to work together on. we have a lot to be together for. I hope you're finding yourself in those places. As for the next episode, I don't know who's going to be on. I get back to the States and then I immediately drive from Madison to Texas for Friends of Mine's vowel vowel renewals. So until next week, take care of yourselves and good luck on all of your collaborations. You've been listening to 20 Minute Collaborations with international collaboration coach Greg Potter. If you're interested in working with Greg or finding out how he can help your organization, visit ggpotter.com. You can also follow him on all the social media at ggpotter. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to get all of the collaborative ooey gooeyness that you've been longing for your entire life. This is an Artemis Bow Productions podcast.